Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I am Ross Wallace and I used to play for Preston 2008 to 2010. Really enjoyed my time there and I'm looking forward to having a little chat about it. Brilliant. Thank you very much for doing this. Much appreciated. We'll, we'll start at the start. How, how did it come about that you joined Celtic? Was it just a, sort of like a, an academy thing and you were scouted? or? Um, no, I started off uh, scripted when I was very young, uh, like under 12s. Then obviously you signed S forums to go into the development with Celtic. And then obviously I was fortunate enough to go from playing all the, the unders age groups, 12s, right through to under-16s. Yeah. And then get signed full-time when I was 16. And then, I was, then I had a year's full-time, uh, moved to Glasgow from Dundee. And um, and that was that. after a year, uh, I managed to get into the first team. And then, and then your career just, before you know it, it's passion in a blink of an eye. Yeah. How um how was it? Obviously, like you just mentioned, moving from Dundee up to Glasgow. Um, how was that as a young lad? Did you did you find it all right? Or no, the first to be fair, when I first moved, I was actually quite I struggled. So I was I was, uh, I was in the house. I was I was always I was football after. I was always in the house watching football, playing foot, football, coaching with my dad. I was taking me to the park and stuff like that. Yeah, I was like obsessed about being a footballer. Uh, and I was always in the house watching like Maradona DVDs and Ryan Giggs DVDs. They're my, my two favourite players. Yeah. So when I left, I, I left. Um, I was obviously I was only sixteen at the time. Well, after about two weeks, I think obviously your first pay you need to give two months. And obviously, my mum and dad are all made the money, so I got a couple of hundred quid to last me two months. And uh, I don't know, I was, I was missing home a lot and I was actually struggled with it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think you've, you've said elsewhere, I don't know if I've seen it when you were on with uh, Cy Ferry, that you, you felt that your big brother had a big influence on, on how you were as a player. Um, do you think you missed him as well when you moved out? I probably did, yeah, because I was really close to my big brother because I used to go and play with him and his mates. And, yeah. And he would always keep me in line because obviously he was not a bad player himself, but he's... Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you got caught up in you know, the boozing and being out with your mates, and you get led astray a little, little bit for being a footballer. So, to be fair to him, I think he just took it upon himself to think that I had a chance. If, and he obviously thought I had some things kind of ability to play professional. So, yeah. he obviously, well, took it upon himself to keep me away from the, the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, how did you find it then? At Celtic, obviously making the step up to the first team and then going on to have a fairly decent time there. No, it was it was brilliant. I loved it. Uh, massive club. Just, just seeing obviously the players that we had there at the time. It was a Martin O'Neill sort of yeah. era. I was there, 
Uh, I worked under some great coaches like Tommy Burns, uh, Willie McStay, Kenny McDowell, uh, all brilliant coaches that helped me. But um, just after probably about a year, I sort of realised, started to get about the first team. Training with mm. the under-21s, uh, pushed up to the 21s after a year. And then, I don't know if you remember John Robertson, the old winger that used to play for Nottingham Forest. No, the name rings a bell, but... Yeah, he's... Well, he, he was a legend. He won the European Cup and stuff. He was Martin O'Neill's assistant, and he was an old-fashioned winger. Right. So I, I think he just took a shine to me, because I was a, a sort of like a winger, out-and-out winger, I liked to get crosses in. And he, and that, he just ended up saying to Martin O'Neill, well, that must have been him that's been like, just let's just get him up and train him with the first team. Yeah. And that was my way into the first team. You know, I, sometimes I say to kids and stuff, it's just sometimes it's a little bit of luck being at the right place at the right time. Yeah, and that's all it yeah, takes. For me, you know, going down the, my career, I was, I was just in the right place at the right time. Obviously, you've got to be playing well and you've got to be a good player. Yeah. You're not just going to sign you or do take you on if you're, if you're no good, like, but obviously you do need a, a relatively a little bit of luck. Yeah. Um, so how did, how did the move away from Celtic come about to Sunderland? Uh, well, I was playing under Gordon Strack and came in after Martin O'Neill. And uh, I was playing left-back and stuff and just I played wing-back a few times and it just wasn't me, you know. Obviously, at Celtic Park, teams sort of sit deeper and try and... So you ended up playing sort of as a winger, but I did enjoy it. I, I don't mind playing, playing left-back. I've played there a few times yeah. throughout my career towards the end and stuff. But, you know... I want to play, I want to be in the final third of Fred passes through or whatever, so... Yeah, whipping crosses into the box and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then Roy Keane came to Celtic for three months, and he was brilliant. He sort of, like, he uh, came and he was training, and he took a shine to the younger lads. Yeah. You know, I, you know, it's sort of just one of those things, I think he just felt comfortable, helped, maybe he enjoyed talking to us and encouraging us. And... Um, yeah, well, we had some decent young players there at the time as well. So he came there for three months and got the Sunderland job in the summer. And then obviously I was playing left back and stuff, and I was never going to play as a winger there. Yeah. Uh, so just so sometimes you just got you know the times up. Time, time's right. Yeah, to go and try something new. But yeah, I was out of love to it. Like it was brilliant. It's like a brilliant apprenticeship for me. Yeah. That's what I sort of seen it as. And uh, obviously I won a few trophies and medals and played in some big games and. Played with some brilliant players, so it was time for me to crack on and try and do. But they, they, they was big players have been doing for years. Yeah. When when Roy came into Celtic, did you feel that he would he would go on to be a coach, or had he expressed an interest in becoming like a manager? No, I think we spoke to him. Yeah, and he was obviously. I think he was. He'd never. He'd never talk about it. He was, he was actually. As I've said on other podcasts, obviously Roy's got that edge to him when he's playing. Yeah. You know, there's no messing about, but um, he has got a funny side to him, and he sort of showed that a lot towards the end because maybe he knew he was getting a few niggly knocks at Celtic and stuff. I think he knew he was probably coming to the end. Yeah. Maybe he had Sunderland. Maybe he knew that was on on the cards. I don't know, but um, it's just one of them. I think I think uh, you could tell by speaking to him that he wanted to be a manager. Yeah. So how how did that move come about then? Was it just Roy got in touch with you and was like, look, I want to bring you to, to Sunderland? Or? Yeah, that was it. I think Roy uh, was meeting Stan Barger, um, like a, uh, a big defender. Uh, obviously, tr- 
Roy must have seen something at me in the short period at Celtic. And my agent was uh, from Sunderland at the time. So he obviously knew Roy as well. And Roy just says, uh, do you fancy coming playing at Sunderland? I think they were having a tough time at the time. He was going to get a few players and they were going to have a go. So that was quite mm. exciting as well. Sunderland was one of those big, massive clubs, you know, we big, proper, big following. So yeah, it was just one of them. It was a no-brainer, really. Yeah, I suppose it probably helped as well that you you knew Roy from your time at Celtic beforehand. Yeah, so see that does help. Yeah. Then you've got the manager on side right away. You're not trying to, uh, you're not trying to impress and get off to a good start. He's the yeah. manager you've well played with him, so he knows what you can do. He's seen you in training and in games, so you can, uh, in a lot of way, you're, you're off to a good start. Yeah, yeah. Um, was was there much difference from him? When when he was at Celtic as a player to as a manager, like was he was he a completely different character or? Uh, uh, you have to take like all managers, they sort of need to take a step back from it a little bit and mm. you know, put the manager's head on a wee bit. But uh, it wasn't too bad. But obviously, you understand as a manager, you know you obviously you could bond with the players and stuff, but you've yeah. got that separation a little bit. Yeah. Um, so. I think you've mentioned, well, you've just mentioned left-back. I think you played, did you make your debut at Sunderland at left-back? Or have uh, I got that wrong? Or no, did you play? I played my debut, uh, I played against Derby. I made my debut in the Premier League at left-back. I was supposed to be playing on the right. That was it. Was it against Tottenham? Uh, against Tottenham, yeah. Yeah, that was it. I ended up playing there. My first game, like, obviously, it's a massive game for me personally. First Premier League game. I thought I had a chance of playing left wing and then uh, the old tactics come out. Yeah. Left back. That was, uh, <laughs> go. I think. Uh, did you get an assist though? Yeah. Well, after, for the last twenty minutes, I got pushed up the left wing, and it was a roasting hot day. And I was quite a young, I was young and a fit lad, so and I was a few legs had went, so I I was fresh. Got up the wing and managed to get an assist. I think it was Michael Chopper that scored. Yeah, uh, ended up turning out a, a brilliant day. So, how did the move to North End come about then from Sunderland? Because um, I think I think I read that you initially turned turned us down and said that you wanted to stay and fight for a place at Sunderland. Um, I wasn't really. I, wanted, I turned it down. I think I was just you get loads of stuff come through. You know, obviously, what if if you're a, if you're up and you know agents and yeah different things, your name's passed around a little bit, seeing who fancies sending out a bit. But I think I, I went on a pre I think I'd done my knee. I came back for the last game of the season against Arsenal in that Premier League season. And uh, I'd done all the rehab. And then I had a chance to go to uh, uh, Toronto, I think it was, or uh, uh, America, over yeah. the summer to play some games and keep fit. And I turned yeah. it in, which in hindsight was probably a bad idea. I probably should have just kept because I just literally got back fit. Mm. And then I had that whole period off, and then we came back pre-season. Yeah. And obviously, I was just a little bit behind. I was fitness-wise. Couldn't get sharp enough. And uh, and then, obviously, Preston's come in and spoke to Alan Irvin. Well, I don't think I spoke to him. I think I must have spoke to my agent. And I obviously said to my agent, he's, he said to me, what do you want to do? And I was just mm. like, I want to stay at Sunderland and just fight for my place. So I, I, I've not actually says, oh, I'm going to turn. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm with you. He obviously needs it. Obviously, says went back. Man, because he's not going anywhere. He's want. He's want to stay. So yeah, yeah. So it's a strange one because it's like you hear stuff like uh, I heard you turn down Preston. Like that. No, the the way it sounds like is if I, I went no, I'm not going to Preston. Yeah, yeah. When in fact that's not the case whatsoever. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing like that. But. Um, I knew Preston was a brilliant club because I played there for Sunderland a few times yeah, yeah. before that as well when it was a brilliant atmosphere. I remember David Nugent tore us to shreds. I think I played left-back that game as well. <laughs> and also, that's good side. You know, the Brawls always have a, a hard side to beat. Yeah, and I think we, we ended up getting you on loan, was it in the November or October, something like that? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just after the start of the season. I think Sunderland season had just started. Uh, and then I think I met Alan Irvine in Glasgow. Uh, obviously, when I spoke to Roy, and I just because I hate for me, I hate sitting on the bench and no playing. So yeah. I mean, I know some some players are not happy sitting on the bench, but they'll let it. They'll go with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's no me. I'm not like a you know. I'm proper. I love playing football. You know, I'm football mad. So. Yeah, live and breathe it. Playing games, that's that's what I love. So I was just like, no, I need to go play. And then I spoke yeah. to Alan Irvin, he came to Glasgow. Met him for like half an hour. I knew right away, I was like, no, I'm there. I'm going to go there. Yeah, I've had, like I said before, I've had like a few players that have played under him and they've all said the same thing about him, that he's just, he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, like training, he was a brilliant coach and stuff. Um and he'd done well as a manager as well. Just went through that period um, where, uh, obviously, we went through a sticky time. But it would have been nice for him. Obviously, you don't get that these days. But no. it would have been nice for him because I think a few of the lads were probably, he would have wanted to shift a few on and change the squad and refreshing it and bring new players in and start again a little bit. But yeah, obviously, as you see, no, these days, you know, once you have a sticky period as a manager and there's fans sort of start, Turned out, no, it's quite tough to turn it back. But. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was um, Sedgwick. It was either Chris Sedgwick or Andy Lonigan said that they were in the Trafford Centre when they heard about him getting sacked. I think one of the other lads rang whoever it was up, and they were like, "No, you're having me on. Like you're you're winding me up. He's never he's never lost his job." And then obviously it turned out that he that he had. Yeah, oh, it was disappointing, you know, because a lot. Um, First season, I loved it. It was a great bunch of lads. It was just one of those, you knew right away, once once we started got going into the season, everybody just knew their jobs, their role in the team. And it was like, they were all together. We had a great laugh at training. Everybody ran their socks off. Um, but we had some really good players as well. And I yeah. think many people expected us to get in the playoffs. But I think within our little group, the team and the like, Alan Irvin, the coaches, and that we were quietly confident actually getting in there because you know, we had Paul McKenna in the middle. Who I've always said for day one, <laughs> how he never played in the Premier League yeah. like for longer is is beyond me. I, I don't think he ever did, did he? No, don't think he ever did. No, never got there. And I remember when when I was younger, when I first started going on North End. Um, I remember my dad saying to me, I'll play in the Prem one day. And then I remember reading something when I was a bit older about about Kenna. And I think it was that old cliche of always too small. If he was a bit if he was a foot taller, it'd have been it'd have been in the Prem for, for years. 
I used to wind him up there, but he was like, obviously, you get some people who um, love the club and stuff and enjoy yeah. the time that I've been here, but he absolutely loved Preston. Uh, I think his mum and that was a massive Preston fan. I think did his mum used to, I think she used to make uh, meals every Friday or something when he was younger. When, he, oh, when he'd go into training, I think she'd bring in like a big pot of whatever that she'd cooked. Yeah. But <clears> as soon as I went into training and obviously started training with the team and stuff, after a few, I was like, this guy is a, is a proper player. Yeah. Like, now, you obviously start trying to find out who's plays for who, who's doing your homework a little bit. And he's just like a proper pressing lad. And I'm like, yeah, yeah got to move on. And then obviously you find out he's at, probably at the later stages of his career. Uh, you're like, how you've not played at a higher level? It's, uh, no, it's yeah. obviously Paul McKenna. We had a lot of Scottish lads when I first moved with Callum Davidson, Barry Nicholson, uh, Michael Hart came. Uh, uh, so when I first moved there, it was brilliant because we had all the lads and I just felt right, I felt at home just right away. Just, yeah, yeah. Let's just crack on. I suppose that, that helps you, doesn't it, when when you're joining a new club, just settling in and whatnot. And that was it. And then you just knew your job right away. It was just with uh, Kenna and Chappie in the middle, yeah. Seji on the right to start off with. And then obviously I've, later on I came sort of played on the left. But to be fair, the first few games it's, uh, I never played. I was on the bench. I was like, yeah. I'm going to get a game here. <laughs> Uh, to be fair, I spoke to Alan and he just says I was short on fitness because he was big on the players being properly fit. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, there was a fit squad as well. Yeah, I think he actually managed to get Parky reasonably fit, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I remember Alan Irvin beat him in a run once. Yeah, was it on the on the beaches in Lytham? Uh, no, I, wasn't, I remember him at the training ground, yeah, we were doing runs in the fitch and Alan Irvin beat him. <laughs> it must be Parky's. <laughs> like he's actually he's not he's not a big I know you call him the beast and he looks deceivingly he looks like he's a big lad he's actually you see him he's talking now love. he's not actually a big fella he loved a pint and a and a three course meal I think that was his problem and he couldn't be bothered running <laughs> but a very good player yeah unbelievable um, with the ball at his feet I don't know obviously I appreciate how good he was he was really mm. good with, uh, and he Hated heading the ball. I remember that. Yeah. I actually didn't like heading the ball. I was like, play it to my feet and the chest and stuff. Yeah. Very good player. I messaged him this afternoon and he said that you two used to have a few arguments after games. He said that he'd give you a bit of stick about not passing to him or he said you'd shoot or... Oh, yeah. He's a typical striker, isn't he? You don't pass to him and they're they're always moaning. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had yeah. a few arguments after games a few times because, like, I've maybe got in a few times. I've had a shot myself and could have squared it to him. <laughs> have a big moan up. I'm like Parky, everybody doesn't need to pass to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can, I can have a go at getting a goal myself. Yeah, uh, especially, especially with that left foot of yours. Yeah, uh, to be fair, he was brilliant for me. You know, I just, I knew, I just, I didn't need to pick anyone out. I knew, sort of just read. To be fair. Striker-wise, we were brilliant. Yeah. We had the big parky, Brownie, Mills, Stephen Elliott came in later yeah. on. But I had a really good partnership with him. Um, like, I loved playing me big parky and uh, Sleevesy. 
they were, yeah. they were, they were class. Mills was a proper striker. Workhorse as well, though, wasn't he? Yeah. Ne- like, never shied away from anything. No, he was always running channels. <coughs> a good mix, obviously, Big Brownie in there as well. Yeah. He was good with all his feet. And he was, no, the, any, any of those two tied together. No, we had a good strike force. Mm. Sort of made it easier for me, really. I was just like getting the ball out of my feet. Yeah, yeah. I put it in the area. And obviously, these boys were, were on fire that season. Mercy yeah. Mel's, Mel's said to ask you about the shirt number that you wanted when you first joined. And apparently, Helen <laughs> Irvine had something to say about it. Uh, I think I wanted number 33, but I see Mel's had it. I think oh. Mel was at Liverpool as well. So I was always 33 everywhere I went. Celtic. Uh, I think I got it eventually at Sunderland uh, and then um, oh, I've just had it everywhere I go if I could possibly get it and obviously I asked Preston for it and asked Alan Irvin he was like ah, there's not a chance you're getting it off Neil Miller <laughs> he's at 33 says number I was landed to be number 25 I think I went for 25 because it was Lubo Moravchik who used to play at Celtic obviously some people might not know him but if you Google him what a player yeah, unbelievable player, and uh, I loved watching him. So then, twenty-five. Let's go for that. Yeah, there's when I think of number twenty-five at North End, there's you and there's Richard Creswell that always stand out to me. So, not not a bad yeah, couple of players. Yeah, I know we've we've touched on Alan, but how how just how good do you think he was um, in terms of? Because I did you join. After the season that he saved us from relegation, um, I think it was, wasn't it? So was he there before I came? The season he, before, I, sh- I should have looked at this before. Yeah, he he, he, when he when he first came in, he saved us from from going down. I think we ended up finishing quite comfortably mid table, and then it was the season after that we went on to get in the playoffs. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. So we got off to a good start then, yeah. Yeah, so I think you came in that that your first season was the playoff season, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a playoff season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I watched straight into a good side. <clears throat> Just how good was he with with his man management then, and his motivation and stuff like that? As I, I've heard a lot about his um, his coaching and and how good his training was and and his his attention to detail. I've heard he was very meticulous with stuff like that. But how was he as as a bloke to be around in in training and stuff like that? I don't think he didn't really mingle with the lads a lot. To be fair, he was very not very very professional, you know, super professional. Even like yeah. the the line of the cones and stuff like that, they had to be like within millimeters. And, um, I think it was Billy Barr was there. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, so Billy Barr was be lining the cones up, and then. Also, uh, I was a bit of a pain in the arse when I was back then. <laughs> He'd be like, Alan Irvin's obviously very professional. Billy's wanting to do his job perfect. He's, he's lined all the cones up perfect. And then I'd come out like about 30 seconds later and just put his cones away. <laughs> 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 no, I think he just wanted to swing for me back then. Yeah, um, Parky said that you and the kit man, uh, sorry, no, it was Brownie said that you and the kit man used to have a, a, a fun relationship. Yeah, I mean, uh, Big Dave, Dave and Balls, I think it was, but it was mainly Big Dave, who sort of, to be used to torture him, that's a feel for him. <laughs> what a guy, an unbelievable guy. He used to, uh, I think he used to collect, you know, when the teams came to Deepdale, 
Yeah. No, the mitre balls. So if Norwich came, they'd have to Yeah, they'd bring their own like yellow and green ball or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. So he, he collected all the balls. You know, he tried to nick a ball and like he collected them like after warm-ups and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and he had them all, all up on his wall. And he had the big, massive washing machines. So, so I think it was me and Stephen Elliott grabbed all the balls off, off the wall, stuck them in the washing machine, turned the washing machine on. And I think all the, you know, the badges, they ended up, they all rubbed off. And he prayed, he was totally, he was properly gutted. He spent about a year trying to get all these balls together. I just dumped them in the washing machine. Oh, it was like, He'd be halfway through his washings, washing the kits, and like we'd turn the washing machines and that off. Yeah, honestly, so gave the guy pelters for uh, for that whole season. But yeah, I actually feel for him. Like, what a guy! He was a lovely man. One of those, <laughs> one of those guys. He'd literally do anything for you. Yeah, yeah. Give you the shirt off his back. If yeah, he, he loved it. He loved the banter. I know with the players mm. mixing with the lads. He, he yeah, yeah. I still speak to him to this day. Actually, I've not spoke to him for a while, but. Once I left Preston, you know, I stopped, stopped speaking to him. Kept in touch. Yeah. Um, so the the Derby games then against Blackpool and Burnley, um, how did you find them? Uh, they were brilliant games. It was, um, see, I, I love Derby games. Though. They're, they're the ones, obviously, you look out for. Yeah. And, uh, did, did you know much about them before you came? No, I never knew Preston Blackpool was massive. I was only when, I think it was a kit man, Dave. Yeah. He was like, no, this is this is the one we we'll have to beat these. This is the proper derby and stuff. Right, reach up to it, and I was like, ah, can't be that bad. <laughs> and I got there. I was like, God, this is proper. One to win, like the two of them obviously dislike each other. Yeah. And, um, brilliant derbies to play in. I can't remember if we played home or away first. I think it was away. I think we played in the sun and had like a grandstand. Yes. And yeah, the end. stand was down, wasn't it? I think the stand collapsed when we scored. <laughs> yeah, because I think yeah. my wife came to that game, yeah. I think it was when Mel scored or Brownie scored that game. And they were running over towards the fan. Yeah, I think I think yeah. it was, Mel's got the first and then Brownie got two, didn't he? Yeah. And I remember yeah. that, like, it was on like a scaffolding. Yeah, yeah. And I remember like the, the, the actual thing collapsed in. Jesus. Yeah, I remember my wife, she was literally like 10 yards away from that. She's quite scary, actually. All the fans were under. But I remember yeah, Mel, Mel said um, he, when he scored, then he jumped into the crowd and he, he's, he, I think he said he was looking for his brother and his best mate or something before like in the warm-up and he couldn't see them. Um, but he knew they'd been out and obviously had a few drinks. And he said, I jumped into the crowd when I scored. And he said, I didn't know it was my brother. He said I could just smell the alcohol. I turned around and he said it was my brother and my best mate and just hugging me. And he said, obviously, to score a goal in a derby, then to be in the crowd with your brother and your best mate, he said it was just unbelievable. But yeah, I didn't realise the, uh, the actual standard ah, collapsed as well. That's brilliant, that, yeah. It's, it's moments like that in football, don't it? Those <coughs> little things you remember as footballers. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, Mel's did throw me off a bit when I had him on because his memory for for goals and stuff like that just blew me away. Oh, he does. He know every detail of every goal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He does. He's like that, Mel's. So we we just just briefly mentioned it then, but that that free kick that you scored against Blackpool, I think it was a night game, wasn't it? 
yeah, I think that was a night game, yeah. It was, was it quite early on? Maybe not early on, but in the first half, I think. And maybe 20, 25 minutes into the, into the yeah, game. They scored in the first minute or something. Yeah, they scored early on. Barry Bannon, who ended up playing me at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Was, um, I think he scored for Blackpool that day in the first minute or so. Now, so I scored like about 20, 25 minutes later. But, what, no, what are you thinking when you're lining that free kick up? To be fair, I've been practicing a lot, which I always say. To be fair, I've not scored a free kick for ages the last few years of my career, but I've always said it's because I've not been, I don't practice after training and stuff. Yeah. But when I'm back then, I'd be out there, all or or coaches and that, like, get in, get in, I'd be out there, free kick after free kick practice. So I always knew if I can get that get it over the wall, I've got half a chance. Like, yeah. Uh And basically, as soon as I caught it, like, I caught it sweet. I just I, I knew. You knew. Well, I was brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I remember watching it in the living room with my mum and dad. I'm, I was maybe in my teens, maybe 15, 16, something like that, and just dancing around the living room. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was brilliant. Like, it's, it's, like, it's like Mel says. It's one of those surreal moments scoring in derby games, any derby game. Yeah. At any level, you know, it's, it's some buzz. But I just remember it being the Blackpool wall being massive. Uh, yeah, because that was when they had Charlie Adam in that, wasn't it? Yeah, they had Charlie Adams, yeah, yeah, who I knew, and Stephen Craney was there, who I knew. Yeah. They had all their lads, I think they were in the wall. I think uh, Stephen Craney, I played with him at Celtic. So I sort of knew him quite well. Yeah. So when I hit that, I'm pretty sure it was that game. I think he tried to get all back on the line to try and like head it off the line. Yeah. It was um it was one that lives in the memory, definitely. The the run up to obviously when we ended up getting in the playoffs, there was the there was a six 0 against Cardiff. At at that point did you start to believe? I know you said in the camp there was there was a feeling that you could do it anyway. But w- was there a specific moment where you thought actually this this could very well happen? Um, it's probably that game. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think as, as two who goes in, three goes in. You just felt during the game because I think it was Car it was Cardiff, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Because Lana saved the penalty in the first half. Yeah, that was. And right. I think we we ended up getting in to six spot on goal difference, I think it was. And yeah. I think if he hadn't have saved that penalty, we we obviously yeah, we wouldn't have. Penalties that season as well, yeah, he? he did. Yeah, no, I think it was 2-3 now. And he just felt, because I was thinking, because they had a very good team, some very good players, and they just went, you just knew, you, you sense it on the pitch when a team just... Heads go. Yes, they've just, they've gone. And then obviously we were sort of on fire. It was just three now, four now. We're like, we've got these, and obviously we just kept going. To be fair, I'm surprised we never scored more. I think we yeah. were one, one with the goalie towards the end, at two or three times as well. Yeah, and we never actually got more. Yeah, so that. So do you think that was the the point then where you as a squad sort of started to think, yeah, we can do this? Yeah, I think that was that was the point. I think then it snowballed, and then we were just. Full of confidence, just yes. thinking. And there was our two games left. I think it was Birmingham and then QPR. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was quite yeah, a couple of games after that. And I just thought, sort of feeling, we're going to do this. 
Yeah, and obviously Birmingham, we went went one nil down, um, and then I think in the second half, I think it was when when Kenner equalised. That was some goal, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I can't, yeah, that was that was a beauty. But that, Just on the half volley. Yeah, obviously Kenner actually played deeper all the time. But you used to see him do that in training all the time. Yeah, yeah. What was on his game? Like, how do you not just step in, play, come play higher up? Like, really good. I was just, he ended up, I think he just chose to, don't know, he must have been a point in his career where he's thought, maybe he has attacking midfielder beside him and he's just naturally played in, it's just stuck with him. Yeah. I was thinking, no, he should shoot more, but what a goal it was. I think it all came up to me. Yeah, I think it was you that laid it off to him, wasn't it? Yeah, and I've just laid it to him and he's just took a touch. I think it's bouncing up. He's just caught it on the half volley. Mm. Oh, it's just sailed right in the top bin. Yeah, it was, it was some that. moment, in, again, in my living room with my mum and dad. Some moment. And then, obviously, there's there's your free kick. Yeah, no, no. Obviously, I've just, I've just topped him a little bit. <laughs> just just yeah. a bit. I remember him saying to me after the game on the bus, he was like, I've just scored the best goal of my career and you've just topped it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking then as, as you're lining that up? Are you thinking this, it could, I could win it here? There's, I think there was about a minute, two minutes to go, something like that. Yeah, it was, it was one of those, it was, I was in a position where it was too close to sort of like try and like just curl it in and try and look for somebody Yeah, in the box. So I was it was it was quite central, wasn't it? I think I was sort of yeah, I was central, but to the left a little bit. Yeah. I was always reversing it because I think I scored one at Barnsley. I reversed it. Into, I scored at Barnsley where I went the same side as the goalkeeper. Yeah. So I've, I just and as soon as I put it out, I knew where I was going, and then that was just one of them. You just catch as soon as it hits your foot. And I just seen it coming. As soon as I seen the. I think it was Mike Taylor in goal or something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, as soon as I seen him no moving, and when it went over the wall, because he thought it was going to go that side, I was just like, eyes lit up. I was like, wow, this and is... Obviously, it just banged in off the post, didn't it? Yeah, and then obviously, it looks better coming off the post and out of the other corner again. Um, it's one of the best goals I've scored in my career. Man. Was with everything on it as well. With everything on it. None of the lads, just, we all just went mental and then, Obviously, me being stupid again, taking my top off and getting sent off, and ended up missing the last game. But don't know why I do it. It's just... I was going to ask you about that. Was it was it just a spare of the moment thing? Was it just like just complete elation? You were absolutely buzzing. You know, we've pretty much won the game. Yeah. Or, or were you just thinking, fuck it, I'm taking my top off, I'm going to spin it around, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, pretty much like that, yeah. I think it was too much of watching Italian football, because remember, they used to do it all the time. Yeah. And I, was, I used to watch that every Sunday, and I was like, well, if I score a goal like that, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I, just, I don't know why. Stupid. Was I mean, missing it, again? Yeah, it was the QPR game, but I mean, we didn't end up yeah, touch wood we didn't end up missing you in it um yeah. said uh, not said G, it was St Ledger wasn't it Sean St Ledger that put us one up yeah I remember uh, in the stands but you know I sort of knew uh, it. no he didn't he scored the winner sorry so Ledge, Ledge scored the winner yeah I'm almost certain it was because I think they went up the other end and I'd had a chance cleared off the line yeah I think it was Dan uh, Carter was it yeah Dan Carter cleared it off the line yeah 
what a clearance that was. Because yeah. uh, I remember I was sitting there watching it and I was like, I, I fancy us today. But you just knew when you're in the changing room, get all the best and stuff before they go out. And seeing what was in the dressing room, the quality we had, I was thinking, nah, we're, we're going to get this over the line. Yeah. Always work for it. But then I was sitting in the stand, just couldn't kind of watch. Wanted to be out there. Yeah, I wanted to be out there, but you know, I knew you know, we had more than enough quality to go. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you, you know the change room is bouncing, it's lively. Maybe yeah. Maybe the lads are laughing and joking, which is usually a good sign. We're just trying to calm everybody down because everybody's so up for it. Yeah. So you go into a quiet dressing room, that's when you're in trouble. So if you go in, the lads are sort of quite jovial and they're, they're ready, they're having a bit of banter. No, they're ready. That's, that's a good sign. And I sensed yeah. that when I went in. And to be fair, I never went in for long because I knew I was like, I don't want to just let the lads get home with it. Yeah. Was there an hour then after that when, when we, we knew we'd secured the playoffs or was it just sort of game, game head on and concentrate and on to the next? No, I think it was just on to the next. Yeah. I don't know it was a night out. Did we have a night out? We might have had a night out, actually. I think we went out in Preston. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think Parky, I remember him. Yeah, he was... Doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise Big Parky in a bit of a pickle. It's <laughs> always the big ones doing the line here. You always go... Last man standing and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. They're the first ones on the back. Yeah. And you carry them home. Yeah. Brownie said that to me about Parky. He said uh, he gives it the big one with his drink, but he said he's a bit of a lightweight, really. Yeah, he is. A big Parky was, he was, to be fair, through that whole season, he was just like, like just him being in the dressing room. He's brilliant for the dressing room. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. He's a good lad. He was, he was a horrible guy. Not in a nasty way, just like you see him in the bath, he's got a big hairy back, hairy chest, and you, you walk in, you'd be like, oh, you're just like, oh. But just him, his personality and stuff. Yeah, he's a good lad, isn't he? Lifted the dressing room. But, um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a joke a minute, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Really, a really good guy as well. Um, guys that, uh, that yeah. Yeah, to be fair, one one thing that I've I've found doing this, um, I mean, I've had Graham Alexander on, I've had Sedgy, who was there over a long period of time. Um, in fact, I think Sedgy's the only person that said that he didn't get on with anyone while he was at North End. And he there was one player he said it was Claude Davis, who he said I just made him just didn't see eye to eye at all. So that he said to the point where I think Claude was playing for Sheffield United and uh, said he was at Wednesday and he said the, they were dropping the kids off at the same school. He said I was stood next to him in the car park and didn't say a word to him. Just didn't didn't get on whatsoever. But every, uh, everyone else I've spoken to across the, all the different years of players that have been there, they've, they've all been really good people and, and all had similar things to say in that the dressing rooms were all brilliant and everyone got on. Yeah, I thought, well, I, I, well, the time I was at Preston, I got on, I don't think I, and I was probably, I was a bit cheeky, I was a bit of, a bit of a lad. Yeah. Like, just be kicking balls away and annoying people and stuff like that. And, uh, no, I think I got on with everybody. Yeah. 
no, I don't know. It's like there was a bit of a challenge with like Mel's and Parkey and that trying to see who could score the most goals. That, that doesn't surprise me. No, they two, uh, those both were at it. <laughs> but once they got on the pitch, you know, they they'd all to try and find each other and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think Mel's was more the out and out striker out the ball. I think. Yeah. Yeah, he was a proper finisher. He, well, he wanted to shoot. As soon as he got seen the the whites of the goals, he he bang shot off right away. Yeah. He was a proper he was a proper goal scorer. So heading into them two games in the in the semis against Sheffield United, what what was the dressing room like? We we confident or yeah, really confident. But we know they were a good side, but I think they were Did, kind of similar to us. They were kind I think of we like, beat them, didn't we, as well in the season, at least once. I think we beat them 3-1 earlier on that season. Yeah, I think we did, actually. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I just remember that was a brilliant atmosphere. Like, Deepdale was rocking. Yeah. First I, knew, I remember I was up, I think it was five o'clock kickoff. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, it was quite sunny, and then I just seen, it was just white everywhere. It was a brilliant atmosphere. Yeah, I think that was the game that they did the um, the Alan Kelly with the PNE. Everyone held up the white and blue, and it had the PNE on it. it yeah, that, been... yeah, and I looked, I looked brilliant. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, and then uh, the game started. We went one 0 up. I think the Mel score. Uh, no, it was Ledge. I think Ledge. That was it. Ledge scored. I thought, and they had a good side. Kyle Walker. I think they had uh, Kyle Norton as well. Ledge, yeah. How did you find it up against them two? Well, I suspect, would it have been Carl Walker on yours? Carl Walker, I was up against. Yeah, he was very good, fast. I don't think he was at he's the peak of what he was. I think he was young back then. Yeah, he was only a young lad. He was powerful for. He was a young lad, but he was strong, powerful, mm. hard to get play against. But I thought we'd done all right. Apart from we came out in the second half. I think they scored within like thirty seconds or something. Yeah, it was it was a minute or two, something like that, wasn't it? It was early on. Yeah, and then um, they were shooting towards that end. I don't know what it is, deep though, shooting towards that end. It feels like it's going down, downhill. I always thought that. At the, shooting towards back. the town end? No, shooting towards the away fans end. Oh, the cop? Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, sort of like if you're going towards uh, the tunnel end, uh, feels like you're shooting uphill. Yeah. Instead that as a player, but maybe it's something to do with the fact that all maybe all because all the fans are there. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's, I just felt they sort of came on second half. We just felt like we couldn't get a half for about twenty minutes. Yeah, I remember there was a long period where we we it felt like we were being penned in quite a bit. Yeah, we were stuck in for a, for a good while. Yeah, mm. I think that sort of played into Alan's tactics going into the into the second leg, which you know was obviously you'll need to ask Alan what he was thinking. You can well you know what he was trying to think it, but no, but I think basically we just we never sort of worked on it. Yeah, in the second leg, I sort of played yeah me and the ten like a four three one two me yeah. and Parky and Brownie, which. You can see what, what Alan was trying to do. He was just trying to go for the game. But I think, looking back now... Stick to what you know. It's one of them. It's stick or twist. Mm. I think, but I think the last half an hour of that game, because we got penned in, and we were struggling a wee bit. But it's one of the things. Sometimes you just take a 1-1, go away from home, and then oh, maybe play it with your hands. But 
Yeah. Change formation and it just never worked. Mm. And I, I couldn't have got on the ball. I'd, every time I did, I couldn't find a pass. And I sort of just, just one of them days. Yeah. And I'd never played in the 10 behind the striker before. <laughs> Literally two days before, I was like, you're playing in the 10. And I was like, right, okay. Yeah, cheers, Alan. And then obviously one of their strengths was Walker and Norton getting forward because they yeah. were quick. And obviously playing a three in midfield playing a diamond sort of opens up the flanks a little bit sort of yeah. playing with their hands a little bit but sort of those the risks you've got to take yeah like, like you said it's a case of stick or twist isn't it and obviously Alan decided to twist and it, it didn't work yeah and I think uh, and then uh, Greg Halford scored a header which yeah I think did Billy miss a chance as well later on yeah uh, so I think Halford scored a brilliant header one of those headers but I think don't think he wanted it to go where it went Literally went right in the postage stamp. Yeah. Now, I think later on, Billy Jones had a good chance um, and you had a swing at a miss, swing and a miss at it. Yeah, I think Park, Park, he said when I was with him, he said he, he, afterwards in the dressing room, he said, thanks, Billy, you've just fucked up my chance to play in the Prem. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Park, you would have been saying that to me. Yeah, w- winding him up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Obviously, not, not seriously. No, nah, but uh, it's one of them. Yeah, he just he was absolutely brilliant for a whole season. So I don't think none of the lads could say anything to him because yeah, had a good chance. But to be fair, that last twenty minutes, we just went. I think we went four four two. But I think we ended up brought Stephen Elliott on, who changed. He sort of changed it. Yeah, last twenty minutes, and I think we went Parky, Mellis Brownie, and I think we had all four strikers on at one point. Yeah, it rings a bell. Last 20 minutes and we had a few chances, but we just couldn't, uh, couldn't find the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, Sheffield United ended up losing in the final anyway, didn't they? It was Watford that went up in the end. Uh, was it Watford? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Or was it Burnley? Was that the year Burnley won? Do you know what, actually? It could have been. Yeah, I think that's the year Burnley went up and we beat Burnley. I think we beat Burnley twice or we drew and beat them that season. Yeah, yeah, I think you might be right there, actually. Yeah, so yeah, so it's one of them. If we'd managed to get over the line, no whoever. But it's all lifts and butts. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's one of them, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so that that's some of them. How, how did your move away come about? I mean, I think I've read elsewhere that was it that summer or was it the season after no it was that summer yeah um i think i've read elsewhere that was it did trevor hemmings come and actually speak to himself no no he never it was basically i came in obviously alan had got got the sack i think that we start the season but i'll i'll, I'll never get the sack right I'll, after the season uh no we started the next season and it was just before christmas i think yeah, that was right, yeah. We ended up, yeah, we went through that season. We were sort of hitting a miss. We were up and down. We were, we were never a million miles off the playoffs, I don't think, when he got sacked. I think we were only a few points off. Yeah, I think that was it. Then you started hearing rumblings about the style of play and people are not happy with maybe we're going a bit long ball. But it's one of them. Obviously, you go through little sticky patches you're hoping to come out the other end and uh, like you say we're only far too far off it yeah I think I think we were maybe three four points something like that maybe five or six but even still it's a couple of wins isn't it yeah 
Um, but obviously he loses, Alan loses his job and then uh, Dan Ferguson comes in. And there was, I think we ended that season, then the start, there was a season after pre-season. Uh, I came in, just came in as normal pre-season to start the season. Yeah. How, and just, it, uh, how did you find Darren to work with? He was, he was good. Yeah. Yeah, I spoke to people before and they went, yeah, no trainings, upbeat. It's like lots of five-a-sides, seven-a-sides. Uh, he, he was more like sports science-based, where like yeah. the fitness and the running. And Alan was a bit probably old school running, you know, like pro- proper fitness. Yeah, get out and do a 5K or a 10K. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Darren was a bit more sports scientist. Right. But that was it, right? Listen, I love a game of five-a-sides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he was a good, no, I met him, he's, he's brilliant. Um, and I came in, done like, I think I'd done like a week's training. Uh, I think we got a bed in from Burnley, I think it was. And then he came in, um, I've got, we got a bed from Burnley, I think it was a million quid or something. Uh, and he went, you're going to, we're sort of struggling financially. We're going to, but it's one of them. I don't know if Dan was saying that to maybe get his players in because I know he liked yeah. George Boy at Peterborough. So I don't know if he wanted maybe to get the money to get him in or you, you don't know who to trust, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I suppose a new manager as well, there's going to be, he's going to have his, like you said, his, his plans to get, to get his own players in. So maybe he's thinking if I can get one out and maybe get two in. Yeah. So maybe he thought, yeah, okay, if I can get a few quid for him, I could maybe get one or two or three in. But obviously he says he wanted to keep me. At the time I spoke to him, he says he wanted to keep me, but it was financially, you know, the club needed the money and stuff, which I can only go on his word. Yeah. Then I think, I say he's right, I'll think about it overnight. I went in, no, I think we were doing a cool down, spoke to Callum Davidson uh, and a few other older lads. And I was like, oh, Spoke to the manager, blah blah blah. I think Burnley's put a bid in. The column was like, "Listen, I think Burnley's a similar size club to Preston. It's I don't see you. Ju- I don't see the an upward the, move. Yeah, the upward move. You best probably just stay where you are. You like it here. You like the lads. You know, hopefully we'll have a good another good season. Uh, and I was like, oh, you're, uh, you're probably right.' And uh, I just went and says, "Listen." I'm just going to stay, you know, I'm enjoying it here. I like being the lads, you know, I like being at the club. And, uh, you know, I'm happy, I don't want to move. Yeah. Uh, he, went, he went, right, oh, that, that's fine, no problem, blah, blah, blah. Swear to God, left the training ground, didn't even get in the house, phone call back. Sorry, Ross, listen, the club need the money, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is what I'm being told. Yeah. Whether or not, I can only say my story, I think. He just went, Money club need the money, you need to move. And that was it. And that was it. Off to Burnley. And obviously, Burnley had just been relegated, I think. Yeah. Uh, they had a good squad. They had like, a really good squad of players. And then uh, they ended up, it uh, worked out quite well. I ended up spending five, six years at Burnley. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, sure. at the time, I, I didn't want to move. And obviously, I've got battered saying I've moved for the money and all this sort of stuff which yeah I remember it was a weird a weird time because I remember I mean one of my best mates he was my best man well one of my best men at my wedding he's a massive Burnley fan and he was just winding me up like there was no tomorrow and you'd moved <laughs> yeah. um, 
But I yeah, I, I remember <laughs> like social media and, and whatnot was just sort of getting big, if you will. And yeah. there was like the fans forums and stuff, and there was there was quite a lot being said on there about like, oh, he's just gone for the money, blah blah blah. And yeah. I remember thinking, well, do you, do you actually know that? Like, do you know the player himself, or are you just are you just looking at the fact that he's gone to Burnley and you're pissed off at it, and you're just saying something to suit your agenda? I think social media is brilliant, but. Once some somebody could say something and then it adds adds arms and legs on it. Yeah, it snowballs. Yeah. I ended up going to Burnley. I was on the same money as I was at Preston. Yeah. So I was just like, I bet they basically just took over my contract and gave me another few years. Yeah. Like a three-year contract, I had a year left, but I was yeah. on the same money. Forty minutes down the road as well. And if Preston had offered me a new contract uh, there and then, I would have signed it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, just one of those things, you know. I'm told the club need the money. I'm not going to stand in a way and say I'm not moving. Blah blah. Dig my heels and yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose when when they accept the bid, there's not really much you can do at that point, is there? Not well. Nobody else should bid. So we all had one team. I'm saying yeah. I've got a Burnley or retire. <laughs> <laughs> the From the Finney podcast is brought to you in partnership with our title sponsor, Lanks Live. Lanx Live is the most popular news source in the county and is run entirely by a local team who all care dearly about the areas in which they live. On to matters football, specifically Preston North End, and George Hodgson is their man at Deepdale. He's a North End fan and he asks the questions that the fans want answered. The best thing about Lanx Live is that the news is all free to read and the best way to keep on top of it all is by downloading the app or signing up to the newsletter. Head on over to Lanx live and sign up today to stay up to date with all the latest news coming from deepdale follow their dedicated twitter account at pne live and now back to the podcast so do you feel like you were sort of caught between a rock and a hard place then when it came to leaving north end do you feel like maybe forced out is too strong of a phrase but do you, do you feel that kind of way about it, or yeah, I'd like to get to the bottom of it now. Obviously, I'm at the end of my career, but yeah. So, Ender had a brilliant time at Burnley, loved it there. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, and you, you got, got promoted, didn't you? Yeah, and uh, did you play with Nuge as well? There, no, I think he left as, uh, as I came in that ah, season, right. but um, no, I'd like to get to the bottom of it to see, like, just. What actually went on? You speak to Dan and say, did you actually just want me out to get somebody in? Yeah. Say, I'm not going to, I don't hold grudges for anybody, but. Yeah. Obviously, man, that's the way it works. Football's like that these days, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? The one thing that annoyed, the only one thing that annoyed me when I left Preston was, um, I think I'd played a few games for Burnley, or we had a few, we were a little bit into the season, and, uh, I was doing the press. Obviously, one player needs to do the press every Friday. Yeah. I was doing it one Friday. I think Preston was struggling. I think we were in the bottom league or something. We are in the bottom two or three. And they were like, oh, how do you feel about Preston um, being bottom of the league or in the bottom three and that? But obviously, I just said, listen, Preston, that's nothing to do with me now, basically. I was like, I've got to concentrate on Burnley. Just the token... Yeah, what you'd expect. 
Yeah, obviously, I, yeah, I've just moved to Burnley. I can't be saying oh, I've got to be pressed and the rivals sort of kind of had to. So I was just like, no, that's nothing to do with me now. I've got to concentrate on Burnley. And then obviously, they had the headline Wallace doesn't care about Preston. And I remember it. And I was just like, that, you know what I mean? That's not what I said. But I think two or three games like after that, we were actually playing Preston. Yeah. I can't remember what the paper it was in. Was that a local paper? I think it, if it was Burnley End, it would have been the Lancashire Telegraph. Yeah, yeah it was in, I remember it was in one of them, yeah. Do you remember speaking to Grezza and they're like, oh, Preston fans no happy to you. I was like, what? Went headline, Wallace doesn't care about Preston. I was like, <laughs> I was like you're joking. I was, like, oh, I was like, right, what can I do about it? Oh, exactly. Yeah. When it's when it's published, that's it then, isn't it? But two weeks later, we're playing Preston at Muir. No, the 4-3 game, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. When we we were 3-1 up, weren't we? Yeah. Oh, God, I got battered that game. And was it Chris Early who scored the hat-trick? Yeah, that was right, yeah. And Billy Billy got sent I've never seen it since. I've never seen someone get sent off for a second booking for taking too long to take a throw in. Yeah, to be fair, at the time, even I was like... I think it was, um, I think it was Kevin Friend that was refereeing that day. And he's he's not... He's not been too kind to North End over the years. No, yeah, to be fair, at the time, I was like, that's a bit strange, but I'll take it. Yeah. yeah I was getting everything. I was getting Wallace, what's the score and all this sort of stuff. I was getting battered. Yeah. I think we were 3-1 up at the time. Yeah, and then second we, half. played really well. Man. Keith Tracy was on fire. Big Park, he scored. Um, I don't know if Kutsi played that. Maybe Paul Kutsi played that. I think, he, I think he would have done, yeah. Yeah. No, Preston played really well with a good side and we had a really good side as well mm. and I just you know, I just couldn't handle big big overlooks yeah he just out overpowered I think it was legend that, yeah, yeah. that he was just too strong anything in the air looked like we were going to score the last 20 minutes so I think we sensed that so we were just like just get it in between the posts see what big Chris can do yeah. you know, so I think I got an assist for the fourth I think it was Jay Rodriguez yeah, we took a thingy about Oh, was that when J-Rod was coming through? Yeah, J-Rod played, he came on, scored a winner, 4-3, I think. He's got on to have some career, hasn't he? Yeah. But, uh, no, it was a brilliant game, man. It was end-to-end. They were pressing battered us for, like, a good 60 minutes. <laughs> it was just, it was one of those games. But when you win it 4-3, obviously, um, obviously, I'm on the other side now, so I'm yeah. on well, I've got to go up, you know, at Burnley, you've got the tunnel at the back of the goal, haven't you? Yeah, I vaguely remember. Yeah, now they're coming out for the corner, but I remember, but all the Preston fans were there. Oh, God, I was getting, <laughs> I could see them all coming down. Getting pelters. Oh, well, it's one of those things, you know. It's football, isn't it? That's how it goes. Yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. Um, yeah, I think if my research is accurate, 12 goals and 31 assists in two seasons at North End is not, not a bad return at all. And I'd say, in, in my opinion, you were probably one of, if not the best out-and-out left-winger that I've seen at Deepdale. But on the whole, how do you look back at your time at North End? I'll say I'm not just saying this, but everywhere I've went, I know I've enjoyed it. But, you know, Preston was, was brilliant. And, you know, I just, even away from football, I love it. Hence, I'm, I still live locally. Yeah. You know, I still live here and I still look out for Preston's results. And, you know, since we moved here, we've, I've not moved away since. You know, we've been here, I think it's nearly 12 years or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, uh, so I've lived here ever since, you know. And I want all the teams, you know, all the local teams, the whole area, I want them all to do well because it just lifts the whole area and gives everybody a bounce, you know what I mean? Just yeah. sort of catchment. Have you got any plans for after football then? I know you've not officially retired yet, but... No, I've uh, I've done my B licence. Uh, I'm going to do my A licence, so obviously move on to that. So, yeah, I have got plans of coaching and, and managing. So, but obviously, similar to other people, I'm, I'm looking at probably setting up a, a coaching a coaching academy, sort of, not academy, but... Yeah. Obviously, when I was younger, I was sort of like... You see a lot of clubs, they've got like 20, 30, if you look on the pitch, they've got like 20 odd players. So when I was younger, we used to have at Celtic, obviously when we trained at Dundee, basically there was somewhere, there was like five or six players. Yeah. And all one, one-to-one coaching, working on no technique from like 12-year-old to like, that 12-year-old to 16. Yeah, before the first team. Before you go like full-time sort of yeah. proper scholars and stuff. Uh, no, I'd like to start off doing doing something like that, and maybe working with a smaller group of players individually and technique and, and stuff like that. Because yeah. go on the career, all the tactics and the living asides that you know, you'll pick that up quite easy. Yeah, it comes, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'd I'd like to just get a little group of players, maybe maybe working for some some club I don't know down the line. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe go along the lines of. You know, developing some players to go play for somebody, but yeah, at the minute, you know, I feel as fit as ever. You know, I've probably been the fittest I've been in the last two years, but because you're at yeah. that age when you're 35, everybody just literally just goes, I think 35, we're going, yeah. down. It's, pretty, it's pretty annoying, but um, I suppose but, all this this current situation won't help either, will it? No, nah, this doesn't help either, but you know, I've luckily enough, you no, know, I've had like one injury, uh, serious injury my whole career, yeah. Yeah, I've like one muscle injury, so I feel fit, and I'm, it's probably fitness I've been in about two years. I've been training. Paul Coots lives next door to me as well, so yeah, that's it. So hopefully, uh, I've still got a few years left. Yeah, playing until the body breaks down. And then, when it, I suppose when the body tells you that's the end, then that's the end, then isn't it? Yeah, I think that's it. Once the body breaks down, and mentally, but mentally and physically, you know, I feel feel brilliant, but yeah. Obviously, Hopefully somebody will give me a chance to get in there. Yeah. What was your best moment from your time at North End? Um, best moment would probably be scoring against Blackpool. That, that, that was, they, they, those were good moments. And probably the Birmingham free kick, you know, that was probably one of the best goals I've scored in my career. And um, in the whole situation of it to keep us in the playoffs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that team as well, a real good team, bunch of lads, sort of to do it for them and you know, all us to be together and just yeah. buzzing after the game, that feeling. You know, that, that would probably be my, the, the biggest one at North End. But, no, the, Bir- the Birmingham one? Birmingham, yeah. So the, the Birmingham one is better than the Blackpool one then for you? Um. Uh, yeah, I'd say yeah. that I'd give I'd give that edge it, but obviously Preston fans would probably say the Blackpool one. No, I think it was definitely the Birmingham one. Yeah. Just just because they got us near the playoffs and it was just Like you said, everything that it meant and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Obviously it means a lot to beat Blackpool and 
know, with the derby and stuff. Yeah. No, it was a brilliant day, but just the whole scenario of getting in the playoffs and yeah, how good a strike it was as well. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, sticking Kenny's nose in it after him scoring the <laughs> taking the landmark away from him we'll get um, some right to Kenny and his unbelievable goal well that that might be the answer for the next one then who's the best player that you played with at North End uh, Paul McKenna for me yeah. well, good players Barry Nicholson good player Stephen I, th- I think I think Baz Nick was quite underrated by some of our fans yeah very underrated very good player very fit no, Baz. Um, no, I, I played really well when I first came. with Callum Davidson. Yeah. Me and Callum down the left. Unfortunately, Callum picked up a load of injuries towards yeah, the end. Yeah, he struggled, didn't he? Struggled a little bit. Yeah, he's hammy. But you know, to start that first season when I came, me and Callum, I loved having him behind me. His experience because I was still a young kid. Yeah. But no, like favorite player, I'd probably go probably Paul McKenna. Yeah, some good players in, in there. Um, if you could go back and give yourself some advice from the time that you're at North End, what would it be? Uh, I guess some advice to myself. Uh, probably say no, no, nothing really. Let's, I'm one of those. You know, I was brought up. Give your absolute maximum. Run hard every game. Yeah. Uh, train hard. Give everything you've got on a Saturday. And I feel I did that for two years. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, think many people can disagree with that. And I, and I can't... I've not got any... I've got regrets about leaving. I can't have any regrets about leaving because... It's kind of out of your hands, really, wasn't it? Out of my hands, really. So but I could have stayed and says, no, stuck the heels in a little bit, possibly. But then that just causes both. You know, like I said at the start, you know, I like playing football. I like being somewhere where somebody wants you and, yeah. and you want to go and play football and enjoy it. If you end up staying and then maybe following out with the manager, it's not for me that. Yeah. Um, have you got any stories or any memories that sticks with you from your time at North End that you maybe haven't already shared? Um, don't know. I don't know I could tell any of that. Clean, probably all put involved in parking. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Nah, there's mainly just probably watching Parky get lapped by Alan Irvin every single time in training. Probably was probably the, as funny as it gets, but I don't think there's any stories I can reveal to you that can go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last one then. If you could put a five-a-side team together from players that you played with at North End, who would be in it? And you can uh, include yourself or not. If you want to make it easier, you can include yourself. I've not included myself. <laughs> And um, obviously, I need a keeper, so we've got big Loners, obviously. Loners is brilliant, it's good to see him now. Get, you know, uh, uh, On the verge of winning the Premier League, yeah. So, uh, no, it's, no, it's nice to see that. You know, no, I love seeing stuff like that. Uh, lads you played, we go on and do really well, you know what I mean? Yeah, and get a chance. Of- yeah, he's done incredible, to be fair, yeah. considering he was, I think it was Rochdale who was out on loan at last season. Yeah, to, to go from that to what he's done this season is fair play to him. Oh, good. Hope he does it. Uh, Pargo Loners. Um, uh, another guy I've noticed, Yo Maweni, I still speak to. Obviously, he struggled with his knees towards the end as well, but yeah. brilliant defender. Yeah, Possibly. again, another one that I think was maybe early on in his time at North End a little bit underrated. 
Yeah, I think he's, he's one that maybe fans look back at and think, actually, what a player he was. Yeah, no, he was he was really good. Obviously, his, his knees went as well at the end. If you'll tell me that himself. Yeah. Um, what happened? After, did he did he leave North End or did he retire? I actually can't remember. No, I think he left. I can't remember where he went, but I think he left before me. Right. But he's no, he's a good lad. So speak yeah. to him now. He's, he's at Fleetwood, oh, isn't he now? Yeah, he's at Fleetwood now. We Barry's Nicholson and uh, a few other and Luke's as well. Yeah, I thought about you, Barry Nicholson, Paul McKenna in the midfield, and then I'd probably stick. Oh, a couple of strikers there, haven't I? Probably go Stephen Elliott. Yeah. Even maybe, I was probably surprised because I said Mel's and Party and Brownie, now they probably scored more goals than him, but. I've no doubt Mel's will have a bit of a moment here, is it? Mel's will be happy with that. <laughs> Tell Mel's we'll have him on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no brilliant unless you've got anything else you want to add or anything you want to say then I think we can wrap that up no that's it I just you know, had a brilliant time at Preston you know two years um, played with some brilliant players no fans were brilliant I still get them coming up to me now because I'm living locally um, not one person said a bad word to me and they've always been uh, quite complimentary to that time than me time that I've spent there but yeah. uh, Great set of players, brilliant club, great lads, fans were brilliant. Obviously, understand me moving to Burnley, ruffled a few feathers, but the hope fingers. If, if Graham Alexander can do it, then. If Greza can do it, yeah. If Greza can get stick, because I remember he him telling me he got a little bit of stick from the pressing fans when he played. Yeah. Them. I don't know, if, if Greza gets stick, then I'm all right. No, that was. Oh, the brilliant time there. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Much appreciated. No problem.